Hello, and welcome to Punching Out. Every week, we're here on Wayo Radio talking about the problems people have with their work, whether it's incompetent bosses or unfair policies, hostile workplaces or dismal paychecks, or anything in between. We want to hear from you. If you'd like to share your work problems with us, email us at punchingoutwayo at gmail.com and let us talk about them. Tune in and punch out. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hey guys, welcome to Punching Out. I'm Lou. I'm joined this week by Kate. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Kate. Kate, this is your first time recording with us, right? It is. Fantastic. Anyway, so Kate Knights today we are talking about childcare. Uh, we've briefly covered this on other episodes before, especially when we were talking about time off, but it is still a very uh, pressing subject for so many of us because, frankly, people be having kids. Yeah. Um, keeps not, happening. Yeah, it's just, you know, stuff happens. Not me personally, but other people I know, they keep having kids. And then I'm like, wow, that's really hard. How are you doing that? And then they look at me with death in their eyes and say, not really well at all. How are you today? Yeah. But yeah, is that kind of the same for you? Yeah, that resonates. <laughs> resonates a little bit. The, the, the death in your eyes are just the, the struggles. Both? Both. Both. Awesome. So yeah, Kate, as the uh, token person with kids on the episode of childcare. What's it like having kids? So kids are great. I like your kids. Your kids are pretty cool. I do have cool kids, um, but no matter how cool your kids are, in some way they are going to ruin your life. (laughs) They make everything more complicated. (laughs) Yeah. Especially work. Especially work, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's basically what we're here to talk about. So you have two kids, Mm -hmm. right? And they're of school age now. Finally. Finally. Yes. How is that? Is that going well? Um, that's great. Uh, Starts soon. Yeah. Next week. Next week. Do you count down until summer ends? Well, uh, I don't have to stay home with my kids. So it's <laughs> not, I don't, the whole like, oh man, I can't wait till they go back to school. It doesn't really impact me that much because I don't see them during the day anyway. That's fair. Um, but it's, it's nice to go back to that thing that I'm not, uh, paying for on top of everything else because... That's the thing, yeah. isn't it? Because yeah. if you're working, which you do work, I do. Um, you know, you can't really take your kids to work with you. No. And you can't really leave them alone. No. I mean, you could, but you might not have a house anymore because yeah. you could burn it down. Or you could get into really big trouble. That too. So, you know, and that's, I remember a story last year or something of um, a service worker at Eastview Mall had no choice but to bring her kids to work with her. And then she got in a lot of trouble for it. And she had no other options. Yeah, that, and that's that's the reality for a lot of people. It Even is. me, you know, I have access to childcare. I'm lucky enough mm-hmm. that it's not something I uh, struggle to afford. Um, but sometimes your kids are sick. Right. And when your kid is sick, you can't send them to daycare. Mm-mm. You know, with, if they've had a fever within 24 hours, they can't go there. So I guess I'll bring them mm-hmm. to work with me, um, which is awful. For everyone. <laughs> you know, everybody likes being around the sick kid. Yeah. Or the sick coworker that just, you're the one that has the death or you're bringing the plague with you. Yeah. And well, I mean, kids are disgusting. <laughs> so. That's true. Yeah. At one point at my work in the office of four people, between the, f- or among the four of us, they had eight kids. All the time. Um this kid's sick. This kid just got a call. You get a call from the nurse's office. This kid, they have a day off school. 
I also have to take this day off because there's nobody to watch them. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very stressful for them. And I, like, I can't even imagine what it's like. And I just had to watch it. I had secondary stress for, for yeah. everything. Well, I've now realized um, just how many days off of school kids have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, certainly when I was in school, it didn't feel like enough, right? But mm-hmm. now, um, you know, when we get the school calendar, I look through it, there are so many days when kids mm-hmm. aren't in school. And if childcare doesn't work in the way that you can just sort of, there's not like a drop-in center. Oh, here, right? here's my kid for the day. Mm-hmm. Nothing is set up. Just um, can you watch them? And so you have to take time off. Mm-hmm. Assuming you can. Right. Um, you know, I, I work in a job where I pay time off so I can use it to do that. But um, for a lot of people, maybe they can not have to report to work that day, but that means they're not getting paid. Right. Yeah, it's it's a choice. And another friend of mine at work just had a kid, and her choice ended up being she comes back to work and spends exactly as much as she was making every week on childcare for her, you know, two-month-old, mm-hmm. or she just stays at home and doesn't get that income. Like, that was that was her reality, and she's like, I, I'm not coming back to work. It's not worth it. A you lot know, the of stress of work or, and, and then still no benefit of income from it. No, I mean, there are a lot of people who are essentially just working to pay for daycare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, several, several people at work I know are in that situation. Yeah, it, it's, it's not fun. Now, do you, when you do have a childcare situation, do you have family that you can rely on for it? Or is it all, you know, like daycares and stuff? So personally, no, I've never been in a situation where I've had family members I could rely on to watch my kids. So that hasn't been something that's been accessible to me. It's just been daycare centers from the beginning, Mm -hmm. which is a a complicated thing for a lot of reasons, Um, just in terms of personal feelings about it. You know, here I am. The world is telling me I'm, you know, I should be raising my child myself, but I should also be working and I'm going to hand my kid over to these people I don't know and mm-hmm. and let them raise my kid. And so you're dealing with all of those sort of weird, dumb mm-hmm. guilt feelings alongside of the fact that it is hard to find childcare. Like mm-hmm. anyone who thinks that it, you can just, uh, you know, uh, have a kid and then really easily find a daycare placement is living in another world. Mm-hmm. There are waiting lists everywhere. Um uh, and then there's the cost of it, yeah, which is astronomical. I, it is. It's it's crazy, and that's um, you know we're not talking about you know um, some sort of fancy au pair situation, a live-in nanny, right? This is like like a, a corporate daycare center, right? This is the one where you know there might be 25 kids in a room and maybe two adults amongst all of them. Yeah. Um, I was looking this up earlier. Uh, the average cost for a school age kid. So, so, you know, your kids per kid is $9,620 in New York state. Yeah. Um, and if you have two kids, that's $18,000 per year. Mm-hmm. That's insane. And that's just for after school care. Uh, yeah. 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 That's school age. So infants, it's $16,000 per kid. Yeah. And it, it's insane. Like that's craziness. Like there's just so many, there's so many problems with that. Mm. Honestly, that's one of the biggest reasons. Well, there's lots and lots of reasons I probably will never have kids, but just trying to figure out where that money will come from. Cause I work, my husband works, but I want to actually go out to eat every once in a while. And- yeah. You want to live a nice life where you get to do things besides work. Yeah. I don't want to have to basically buy a new car every year worth of childcare. Yeah. 
that doesn't that's not what I want to do. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't have to be that way. No. It it doesn't. No, I mean it's sort of arbitrary in mm-hmm. terms of how we've drawn these lines for ourselves. I mean, clearly we recognize there is value and benefit to um you know, school, mm-hmm. you know, so we, we see that it's important for children to attend kindergarten and first grade and second grade all throughout their childhood. This is a value. And so we have oriented our, our society in a way that makes sure that people have access to that. It's a right. Mm-hmm. Kids have a right to education. Right. Um, but I guess before you hit kindergarten, good luck, kid. <laughs> yeah, they, they, the kid, children, I don't know if anybody out here is listening has kids, but w- until they hit five, they just kind of sit quietly in corners yeah. and don't move. So, you know. It's really easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Toddlers, they're so easy to deal with. Rational. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did uh, for a while, especially in high school, I babysat a lot, a lot. And as the, you know, unlicensed teenager, I don't know, I made $10 an hour. For for a 16-year-old, that's not bad, but I was a child myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, in, in all honesty, you know, I, did, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't vote or make legal decisions if anything happened to that kid. So that's, that's the option for a lot of people. Well, and $10 an hour is not far off from what people in accredited daycare centers mm-hmm. are making now. No, it's not. It's, yeah, they're, you know, so this this crisis in childcare definitely is coming from two angles. So on the one hand, parents and families can't find childcare. It's too expensive. You're spending, you know, $20,000 in some cases per kid. And that's just for your average child. That doesn't even account if your child has special needs for mm-hmm. anything. In that case, childcare is even more because you need even more specialized uh, care for your, for your kid. You can't find that, you can't afford that unless you're already well off. And on the other hand, the childcare providers themselves aren't making that much money either. No, I mean, childcare as labor is... Um I think totally disrespected. I mean, it mm-hmm. falls under the, this is within the penumbra of women's work, mm-hmm. which is pejorative. And obviously, <laughs> yes. so, so, you know. Men got hands, they can carry babies, they can change diapers. Sure. What's wrong with that? Like, anyway. Uh, I, yeah, we've talked in, in the past on the show about gendered work. Um, and the whole penumbra, as you said, it's a good word, I like it, word of the day, of domestic work is typically one that it's thought of as women's work mm-hmm. and even now isn't paid well in part because it's considered women's work. Yeah. And it's only when men start entering industries like that, like nursing, for example, that those industries start making closer to parity mm. as far as wages, which is dumb and stupid and needs to stop. I mean, yeah. just pay everybody. Yeah. Well, the idea that something as important as childcare um, wouldn't be seen as important work uh, Mm -hmm. is nuts to me. That's, that's the weird part. Like the importance, and we've definitely talked about this before, importance of work has no relation whatsoever to the wage it makes Mm. in part because it's something that has to be done and you can't really do without in many cases. So it's something that People want to do, say, is like a calling. Yeah. Which is dumb. 
So like teaching, for example, nobody wants to pay teachers well because, well, if they're paid well, then you get people who in teaching who just, you know, aren't in it for, for the kids or for the, you know, they haven't had that calling or whatever. And they're not there for the right reason. Right. You're not there for the right reasons. Yeah. I mean, luckily, I haven't never heard anybody say that about childcare. Because <laughs> luckily. Oh, I just, I don't personally, you couldn't pay me enough. <laughs> to, to work at, um, in child care. I can barely handle my own children. Mm-hmm. The idea of um, spending all day um, doing all of the like really important work of raising kids, mm-hmm. is, it, to me, is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, hats off. <laughs> it's not for you. Yeah, I, I do interact with kids a lot. Um, n- luckily, not for extended periods of time. It's It's when I hit that uh, 20 minute mark, <laughs> which is a long time considering the number of interactions I have with people every day and the length of those, the average length of those interactions, like 20 minutes is all pushing it. Yeah. Um, that's when I start to fray a little bit. I'm like, okay, I've run out of my jokes. I, I'm like, can you please ask me, stop asking me these silly questions? Well, there's sort of an aspect of time dilation when you're dealing with kids. <laughs> That's true. But all of this is just why uh, childcare workers need to be paid much, much more. They do. And it's, you know, I, I suppose a bit of an open question as to why, uh, if childcare is so expensive, workers are so underpaid. Yeah, it's a paradox of childcare costs so much, but nobody makes any money off of it. I don't have any solutions for that at this time. Maybe by the end we'll have a solution for how to fix this? Well, I mean, childcare shouldn't be a for-profit industry. No, let's eliminate profits for everything, number yeah. one. But we'll um, make childcare maybe a top five eliminate profit. Yeah. All right, that's fine. Punching Out Collective um, demands this right now. Does that sound good? Yes. All right, let's do this. We're making demands of people. Okay, anyways, uh, we'll take a break for now. And I think when we come back, let's. I want to talk a little bit more in depth about Child care is labor and the, the gendered aspect of that. You're listening to Punching Out on WAYOLP Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hey guys, welcome back to Punching Out. I am still Lou, good news, and I am still here with Kate. Hi. Are you still Kate? I am. Oh, that's good to hear. We are talking still about childcare and the various aspects in which it is um, a challenge for parents and for childcare providers and for us as a whole. Everybody is impacted by this, probably. That's, That's true. Everybody knows a kid. Yeah. Or knows the parent of a kid. They're our most precious natural resource. Ugh. <laughs> that was gross. That's, I didn't make that up. <laughs> I know you didn't, Just... but it's very cheesy. And you know what? I'm going to like it. We like it. All right. So uh, when we left off, we were talking a bit about childcare's labor, and and we, we want to focus on that because it is ultimately labor. And even if you're not getting paid for it or if you're not getting legally paid for it, um, if you're in the black market of childcare, as Kate said during the break, (laughs) Um, it's still labor. And it is predominantly 
a labor done by women and people of color. And ultimately, I think the point we're going to make is that this is a a policy decision that has been made by people currently and generations before us. I couldn't find this information because Google was not being super helpful to me, darn it. Um, but I do remember there was some movement, I think in the 70s, 60s or 70s, even maybe into the 80s, where they were going to set up like a national child care program where, you know, just like we have schools, you'd have daycare, which on some level school is just a daycare. Yeah. With like curriculum. Well, but daycares have that too. True. I, mean, I, I don't know what people imagine preschool is. but Right. Right. And it was, I, I if I remember correctly, because unfortunately I can't pull it up because Google's not helpful. This program that they were proposing at the federal level was going to be uh, something that was either free or at very low cost and accessible to all, which would have been so cool. So, so this is something that has been proposed in the past and is not outside the realm of possibility. Like, Kate, Kate, what would it be like for you to have something that was less than $18,000 a year? I mean, it's, it's transformative, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, suddenly, um, and I was lucky enough that I could afford daycare, but it's not like it wasn't someone's, almost someone's entire paycheck every Mm -hmm. time. You know, life gets a lot easier. Uh, Maybe you can afford to buy a house. Oh my gosh. Or uh, fix your car when it needs to get fixed. Yeah, and that's true. And I think one of the reasons why we're talking a little bit about this, one of the reasons why this hasn't really happened is because childcare is not really seen as a pressing social need, mm-hmm. which is very dumb. Because yes. again, everybody knows a kid or a parent of a kid or knows their parents. Like even if even again, Kate like you or or somebody who can afford childcare, it's still a stretch and a struggle and something that's hard to make happen sometimes. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, everyone is, is very quick to recognize how, how important kids are you know, <laughs> in sort of that right. vague way that, what, that we do. Right. Kids are very important um, until it, it gets to the question of who's going to pay for the things that they need. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, well, that's your problem. Yeah. yeah I don't know. More social, that's what you need, more uh, economic responsibility. Yeah. You should have thought of that before we hiked up the cost of college 500%. Mm-hmm. You know? Bad planning. Right. That, that's ultimately the problem is we say, and the people making policy decisions say they like the family, say they want to have a focus on families and, and support families and a returned family, but, but they don't because they don't really support policies that would truly help family like having universal childcare or Medicare for all or um, even abortion access. Like all of these things are things that could help families and would not just could would absolutely help families specifically working class families, but they are either too expensive or too coddling sometimes even the language that they use for, saying, oh, no, we're not going to pass that because, you know, you've got to take care of your own responsibility. So it is surprising to me that people don't see through that more. Yeah, well, I'm people, uh, I think it's it's hard for people when, you know, they're sort of their own uh, ridiculous self-interest gets bound up into whatever is being proposed, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, 
when you have a certain perspective on things, I guess you're never going to move on. It's hard to see out of it. Yeah. 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 And, or, or specifically if, if everything is ultimately framed as what helped, you know, there's only so much of the pie to go around. Yeah. And if I give up any more of my time or if I try to help somebody else, that means like less help for me. That's, that's something I see a lot is anything that would help my neighbor. Well, that means it's not helping me. Yeah. Well, that whole sentiment has been weaponized against the working class. Yeah. And that's, that's what it's been weaponized because ultimately childcare, it's, it's, it's about both class and gender Hmm. because even if you're a woman and even if you're, you know, let's say you live in New York City and you're a multimillionaire and you're the CEO, you're the the, the lady CEO of your company. Um, you may still be the one uh, that has to negotiate all the, the dilemmas of childcare, um, of which are plentiful. But you're not having nearly as hard a time of it as it as somebody working shift work. No, I mean, probably the only thing in those sort of person in those upper echelons has to worry about is um whatever insane prerequisites come with you know (laughs) boutique daycare placements yeah it (laughs) and i don't look i don't want to minimize the stress of that right it it is stressful (laughs) it is still gendered but this is definitely something that when your gender and your class overlap um it's infinitely worse yeah infinitely worse do you were you did you witness any of the things I saw last summer? There was a couple things on the internet of uh, like help wanted ads for for nannies, and they were insane. They were like, "Oh, my child is so great, but absolutely no television whatsoever. You need to spend nine hours a day with them, and also I'm going to pay you like two fifty an hour, mm. <laughs> and and then and then maybe after that point, maybe I'll up it to three dollars an hour." No one's cheaper than rich people. I gotta oh tell my you. goodness gracious! Yeah, uh, I I just remembered all of that when you talked about the boutique childcare. Well, and and you know, of course, uh, many of these people uh, don't actually work. I mean, they're lucky enough right. that they don't need to work. They just right. um, they need they need time to focus on their their personal brand and their yeah. self care. Yeah. <laughs> so it's when you're times. not um, super rich. Mm-hmm. And you find yourself in a situation where you have to find childcare for a lot of people. It's not even a question of, I mean, the, there's the, the initial hurdle of, is there childcare available mm-hmm. close to me in my neighborhood? Is this a thing I can even access, assuming I can afford it? Right. Yeah. And, and that's another thing that's not really discussed much is this idea of childcare deserts. So uh, childcare deserts are like you would think given the name of it, um, geographic areas that don't have ready access to licensed childcare. So a lot of these areas end up being poor neighborhoods, the rural areas. Um, so there's definitely a class divide in that because typically you think of the rural versus urban as a little bit poorer. And this disproportionately affects communities that are of color. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically uh, Latino, Hispanic, and uh, Native populations, where there's there's up to 60% of, of these areas where people live don't have any childcare whatsoever. I mean, they still have kids, but they just don't have anybody to take care of them. And what do you do in that situation? Like, what what is possibly any solution? 
I think for a lot of people, they're faced with the reality of um, the fact that they, they can't work. Yeah. So, so this does then lead to a crisis. So you have the crisis of people wanting to work and not being able to work because they have kids. So they leave the workforce and then, you know, they're taking care of their own kids. And for a lot of women and and people of color, what that turns into is, well, since I'm already taking care of my two, well, I'll take care of the neighbors too. And I'll be doing this. And this is my job now is I'm just going to be watching kids all day, every day. And because women are still primarily tasked with taking care of kids, this is something that primarily happens to women. I know one stay-at-home dad. I don't know any. Yeah, he's a great dad. He's fantastic, but well, because that's always he's seen an oddball. As like a, yeah. Wow, good for you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> good for you staying home and yeah. raising your kids. Yeah, and and part honestly, what part a of, sacrifice. <laughs> part of the reason he's a stay-at-home dad is because he uh, out educate he overeducated himself. <sighs> now he can't find work. So his, uh, his wife is working and pulling in the income, and he stays at home and takes care of his kids. But just his kids? Just his kids. He's not the neighborhood nanny. No, he's not the neighborhood nanny. But another friend of mine that is a stay-at-home mom, she does take care of the neighborhood kids. Because she was like, well, I'm you know, home anyway. Just give me all 10, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I happens. Do it. it happens. It really doesn't happen to men. It only happens to women. So what happens, you know, if you're, you're the one stuck holding the bag, you're not a licensed ter- caregiver. And even if you are a licensed, you know, daycare provider, you're not making any money. You're making far below minimum wage per kid. Maybe among all the kids, you might barely make minimum wage. Yeah. Well, because the community that you're, you're helping. Mm-hmm. It's in the same situation. Yeah, like no one yeah. can afford can afford it anyway. Yeah. So so it's a vicious cycle, is what we're saying. Is is without this start, and this was something that could have been done as a policy choice, but you know, as if if politicians were truly interested in helping families, these sort of things would be given. You would have national daycare programs. You would have. Uh, proper paid time off for child care just in general for whatever use you may want but you don't that's ridiculous it is like the more uh, i think about the idea of um pushback against something like national daycare centers or universal child care uh, the harder it is for me to square it Mm -hmm. in terms of people arguing against it yeah it does if you spend any amount of time looking at it it doesn't make sense as a child, as a policy decision, there's only only good, right? And that, but that's true of so many other social services that we could have but don't because it's a policy choice, like universal health care or uh, pensions for the elderly or unemployment, like anything where the people people would be noticeably helped, and it makes sense. And it's good. There's always a, mar- a moral argument from, especially the right, about why it can't be done. Yeah, yeah. In the case of childcare, well, that's indoctrination, you know. Now I'm mad. Well, that's good. <laughs> we should we, be mad. We should be mad. This is ridiculous. We shouldn't have things like this. No, because 
The other argument they say is, oh, but you get to stay at home with your kids. Kate, has anybody ever said to you, don't you wish you'd, you wanted, or don't you wish you were able to stay home with your kids? Yes. And have you hurt any of them have, that have said well, that to you? I, I don't lash out against people <laughs> in acts of violence, so no. <laughs> um, Is it a more a slow burn? It's a slow burn. Look, I get my revenge. I just, <laughs> you know what? You serve that dish right. cold. Yeah. Yeah, I... Well, also, like, it's really uh, messed up to sort of uh, put someone in a position where they feel like they have to defend wanting to do something mm-hmm. other than be a mother all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, that's an excellent point. Your your choice is your choice. Yeah. You don't have to stay at home. You could be out working, and that's your choice. Nobody really ever asks men that. No, never. Never. It's, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense while you're at work and, and the kids – are, are with somebody else. That makes total sense. Like mm-hmm. it's never even brought up as a, as a question. So when they don't have things like national health care, sorry, child care, same difference. It is. It is. They go to women and say, well, you know what? It's You really wanted to be at home anyways. You get to spend that special time with your child. It's very important. Yeah. So, you know, we're giving you this opportunity uh, and same thing with, with people who are taking care of kids. Well, you know, you're doing important work. But then it frees up men, because it's always men who are free to do this, to do other things. So we, we um, have accomplished taking away options from people mm-hmm. uh, under the guise of celebrating a right. choice, which, in fact, wasn't a choice at all. No. You're just kind of forced into it because yeah. it's a role that – just exists because it's convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's my biggest problem. And, and every time I read something about how women should be grateful that they're taken care of and uh, men are really the, the oppressed ones because they have to be the breadwinners and they have to do, um, you know, the fighting and they, they have to be away from home. It says, yes, but they they could then choose a different job or they could leave in the case of some women like they can't leave uh, an abusive relationship because they don't have a job lined up or they have kids to take care of so there's no options if that's what's holding you not holding you back but if that's that's something you need to consider and you're the only one considering it um, women can be stuck yeah and the only way uh, women have access to that kind of choice is is through changing their class station, right? I yeah. mean, it's if you, if you are lucky enough to be a member of the upper class, then ooh, you've got all the choices in the world right. within those that are permitted to women right. to begin with, right? Um, but if if you if you aren't, right, then you there is no n- no ability to control your future at all. Mm-mm. You know, if you can't if you can't afford to leave a situation or change your job or have somebody else help with children um your life is noticeably more restricted yeah and that's my <laughs> ultimately that's why i have a problem with everything everything i guess well but so that's the transformative power of something like a national daycare center mm-hmm. is it liberates people it does and this so 
we established at the beginning that this is ultimately a policy decision, that they could have done this, that they didn't. And the result of this, this vicious cycle that they've established, um, limits women's choices and limits the choices of people who are not wealthy, uh, the working class, people of color. These are policy decisions. And it makes a lot more sense when you remember that people in the positions to, to enact policies like this fundamentally don't care. They like it like that. They, you know, we have a good chunk of government right now is run by a whole bunch of, for lack of a better word, white supremacists who have a vision of our country that is very white, very male dominated. Women don't have a, are not participating in the workforce beyond maybe your cleaning lady. This is what they want. Like, so when they say they're focusing on the family, they're focusing on one particular model of the family that is very white, very heterosexual. And, and keeps marginalized people marginalized. Yeah. <sighs> so childcare actually uh, impacts a lot. Yeah. It's not just about, you know, your kids. It's about the, the freedom of movement and of equality. Well, and the attitudes that, you know, we have towards childcare are reflective mm-hmm. of our attitudes towards people who are working class generally. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really improve upon how that was raised. Well, that's bleak. Let's yeah. take a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we came to a dark place. So we'll take a break and we'll be back. If you're listening to this on the radio, congratulations. It's the exact middle point of the work week. If that doesn't make you feel any better, try listening to more Punching Out. All our past shows are available on SoundCloud and iTunes. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hey guys, welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Lou, and Kate here was just looking up the proposal by the Trump administration for childcare. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, got curious about what uh, Donald Trump might think would be a good solution for what is certainly a crisis uh, in terms of childcare. I, I, to be fair, though, I don't think it was Trump because I don't know that his brain works all the way. Um, I think it was. I think Ivanka was the one that's been his daughter that's yeah. been driving the bus on this one. Well, I <laughs> it's not surprising to me that he didn't dedicate any brain power himself to an issue that might even tangentially relate to women. Um, that's true. In a, in a helpful way. That's true. There's not not much to grab when it comes to childcare. No. Nope. nope. <laughs> uh, okay, so this proposal. So Ivanka at the Republican National Convention before before the election, um, had a proposal that said, like, ah, yeah, my, my dad, he's going to fix child care. And so since then, they've released this policy. Did they release it this year? There was uh, earlier this year. Earlier um, this year. Uh, in, I think, February or March was when most of the discussion was had about this issue. Um, and as far as I can tell, it really sort of breaks down into two, there's sort of two main aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, one is a pretty extreme push for deregulation of the childcare industry generally, which is not all that surprising considering deregulation is like a, a thing that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, just today, uh, <laughs> I think they announced that they were going to further deregulate the oil industry by not requiring uh, oil companies or producing natural gas to uh, report on the amount of methane they release or whatever, or like <laughs> try to reduce the amount of methane they release during natural gas production. 
because um, that's harmful to smaller oil companies. Yeah, yeah. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah. Fun times. So, you know, deregulation, which is um, a perennial thing, and so it's made its way now to the world of childcare in the eyes of the right. Um, and then that, uh, coupled with income tax Deductions? deductions? Deductions, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, let's start with with deregulation. So it, it as we previously said, childcare is a bit of a black market in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, what's to deregulate? I, I mean, honestly, what? How worse could it get? <laughs> well, I think the the goal of this sort of um, deregulation is not to change uh, what I think people consider the safety standards that are mm-hmm. in place. Um, but actually to make it um, easier to um, operate a smaller daycare operation in a residential area. So essentially um, making it easier to accomplish exactly what we were talking about in the previous segment um, to have people who otherwise can't work and are Mm -hmm. maybe staying home with their kids to then watch the neighborhood kids and have that be the solution for childcare needs. So instead of a a, a comprehensive sort of national response um, where the government is actively funding childcare in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. This is just being outsourced to the same people who are already stuck in the childcare trap. And, you know, we're being told, oh, this is, we're making this easier for people. This is work that's already being done. Right. Yeah. This is what we're doing is we're, we're meeting the people where we are, where they're at. Um, it's instead of, so to, to be the devil's advocate for a second, their their rationale is probably along the lines of, well, people are already doing this. We're trying to bring them out from the shadows. <laughs> Ironic, considering their immigration states or stances. But anyway, um, they're they're trying to r- relieve the the legal burden on daycare providers and childcare providers to make it more accessible, not make it better. Right? No, certainly not. No, certainly not. That'd be craziness. Uh, better is for people who can afford it. Yes. Yes. Um, but to to give real working class Americans uh, the childcare that they need, so mm. that their families can function and be healthy. But we just we literally just talked about how this is a, a solution that's only useful for men. Well, it's the classic um, move that uh, the government uh, or, well, I, I guess the right often takes, which is to offer a solution that is, in fact, not a solution to anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just the status quo that's being repackaged. Yeah. But, Frankly, anytime I hear the word deregulation, I automatically just want to stab things. I think that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I, so seriously, though, what is to deregulate? Yeah, I mean, I see this as as a move to um, further solidify the idea that uh, childcare is something that communities, um, you know, in sort of the insular way we think about them, are responsible for themselves, right? So, mm-hmm. this is um, the government not taking responsibility for something, mm-hmm. basically saying, "Well, we freed you all up to do this for yourselves," right? And 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 that's that's a solution here. Uh, but all this, yeah. the problems that contribute to this not being a functional situation or being a limiting situation for people or, you know, removing options um, from people, those all still exist. This doesn't fix any of that. Mm-hmm. So this is just a way um, for people who could actually control these things to not have mm-hmm. to, to do it. Mm-hmm. One of the, the best things about regulations in general 
um, which the right always forgets about, is it it guarantees that people who slip through the cracks have some something to fall back on. And that's the exact opposite of what capitalism is supposed to be doing. You know, capitalism is supposed to go for the efficient solution, the one that fits the most amount of people um, and everybody else. Well, whoops, uh, it doesn't do that. Capitalism is not efficient, number one, but that's that's the ideal model is is that. But especially when it comes to children with special needs, this is not a solution that will help them in any stretch. No. No. Um, if you have a child that is nonverbal or not mobile the same way other children might be, um, you, that kid might need specialized care, which is not probably not going to be able to be provided and not well by the neighbor lady. No. I mean, a lot of times for people who are um, lower income, the first time they are even able to access those services for their kid is when their kid starts school. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time they're yeah. able to actually get the the high-level care that they need to to – so that their kid can be a functioning member of their community yeah. in the ways that they, they're able to. Right. And, and to, to have a, a, a life that is meaningful, meaningful to them and to have the, the access to opportunities and experiences that other children might. For so many low-income people, um, the access to those services for children is, is tied directly to school. Mm-hmm. And so when we have these sort of arbitrary lines for when school starts, mm-hmm. right? So if it's, we've decided preschool isn't really school or, mm-hmm. you know, you're not, you're not being educated in any way. It's not required until you hit this age. Mm-hmm. Um, well, incumbent in that is the fact that people aren't going to be able to access services. Right. But, yeah. Services are something that is provided depending on your wealth. Mm-hmm. Across, it doesn't matter what that service is. Um, and then at a certain income level, the service then is, well, how long do I have to wait for that service? Mm-hmm. And if you're low income, the wait could be infinite. Yeah. Like it could be infinitely long. It, my, my ultimate, the, the summation of wealth to me has always been the ability to buy, to to no longer have to deal with other people's personal preferences yeah. or needs. Yeah. You know, if you look like at a luxury car, every seat has its own temperature moderation mm-hmm. or, you know, system so that you never even have to interact with somebody else's preferences because somebody else likes it a little bit cooler than you do. Or, you know, business class lounges at the airport, you never have to actually interact with or see the other schmoes you have to share the airplane with. Because mm-hmm. um, ultimately, you're all getting on the same metal tube and going the same place, but you've bought that privilege. And that's what wealth is about. And if you have that money, problems like childcare and finding good childcare, they're never going to exist. No, they just don't. And People have different needs regardless of what money they have. And that's the good thing about regulations is it requires you to at least think about that and not just say, well, tough. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the the rich people will always have the things that they need. Mm -hmm. And everyone else has to rely on the government to to provide or not provide. And that's... um, that's exactly the problem here, mm-hmm. right? So if, if, if through deregulation the government is essentially um, 
divesting themselves of itself. itself? <laughs> what is it? Um, Good question. It's divesting itself of responsibility for the care of uh, the people who live here, because that's what what's really happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, then I think it's safe to assume that that care is going to deteriorate mm-hmm. because that's what they want. Mm-hmm. It happens across all industries. It, it's definitely happened with healthcare, where you know you can buy insurance now that basically doesn't cover anything. Um, a band aid. Um, that was one of the points that Obamacare was supposed to address, but I don't know if that's been rolled back since. And uh, charter schools, to me, are also a good example of that. Yeah. Of, you know, when you have when you're setting up a public education system that only has to that can cherry pick its students and say, well, you know, we're under no obligation whatsoever to provide care for kids with autism or anything like that. Like, yeah, you're going to have different results. Um, what are those kids going to do, though? Yeah. What are they going to do? Like, what options do they have? The answer is none. And that's ultimately what deregulation gets you. So that's only one part of this really good plan. That's true. You did say there was two. So the other part yeah. was a, um, a tax deduction. Yeah, uh, as distinguished from a tax credit. Right. Which I believe you, Lou, can um, provide yes. some, so, some illumination on the differences. So tax credit versus tax deduction. Both are not fun because it doesn't mean money in hand to actually do with it. It means at the end of the year when you get all your papers in order, you could be paying different amount of taxes. So tax deduction, though, only affects people who make enough money to have taxable income in the first place. Um, I don't know off the top of my head what that threshold is, but that means automatically that this deduction would only affect people who already make more money than somebody else. It's not universally applied. A tax credit at least would go uh, across the board. So regardless of the income, if I, if I remember this correctly, regardless of the amount of income you get, that is something that you would be applied universally. So um, when presented with the choice... And I personally, I think that uh, tax credits and tax deductions as a way of, uh, you know, the government, like, uh, reimbursing people for things that they're spending money on or otherwise, um, you know, uh, not having to bear the cost of things itself. It's uh, the coward's way and it's absolute <laughs> nonsense. And, you know, we're sold this as like, well, look at this wonderful thing that you're mm-hmm. getting. And it's um, it's ridiculous. So just setting that aside, um, we have a situation where when presented with at least um, – Two not great options. Right. We are, of course, going to go with the worse option. Oh, obviously. <laughs> it's the American way. It is. Yeah. Um, because if this benefits disproportionately wealthy people, um, well, that's a go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you have children you can't afford, you should be punished. Mm-hmm. If you need assistance m- being able to eat, you should be punished. That's the moral imperative of the rights and just in general, anybody who's been writing policy since at least the 80s. Yeah, how dare you exist? How dare you? We have a very punitive economic system by design. It's not means testing for every liberal out there that says, well, we have this great policy, but we want to make sure that it's only going to benefit the uh, people who need it and not some millionaire. <laughs> uh, means testing doesn't help. 
because then it just further creates barriers and thresholds for people to jump through. Like if I have to, in order to get a credit, uh, have to prove the amount of money I earn and everything like that, like that's just something else, something else to do. Yeah. And I just, you know, through my job, I, you know, I, I interact a lot with, you know, uh, social services and like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, sort of like the county level sort of provision of this kind of stuff. And I can just tell you um, that just being a person trying to access the services to which you are entitled, mm-hmm. um, you have to suffer thousands of indignities mm-hmm. just to do that. Yeah. So if someone's trying to get to, you know, to be topical, a daycare subsidy, you don't mm-hmm. just stroll into, you know, DHS and present yourself, um, as someone deserving of respect, um, and, and receive that respect and then very easily get access to this. Mm -hmm. It's awful. Yeah. Every aspect of it is awful. By design. By design. By design. So, you know, the, the idea of means testing things is just a way to, to further stigmatize the fact that people need help at all. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's a really ugly business. Um, I've been really taken aback by some of the things that people have had to, um, that they've related to me that they've experienced just trying to access services. So when you do something like say, you know what, let's throw all that out the window and why don't we just make childcare provision universal, mm-hmm. make this something that we recognize as an important thing for everyone. Um, well, golly gee, now it's not stigmatized anymore. Yeah. It's just something that we all do because it's important. And you know, where's your kid going to daycare down the street at the, the daycare center, right? <laughs> the daycare center. You'll see them there. Yeah. It's the one place. It's the one One place. stop shopping. Yeah, it's so good. That's great. And also, childcare is only available during like nine to five business hours. Oh my gosh. We yeah. have, we failed to mention that entirely, but yeah. it is only available then. So if you do something crazy like have to stay late at work or, work you know, night work, sh- work night shifts, yeah. work odd hours, like I work Saturdays, that's not. Your SOL. Yeah. Like that's, there's nothing you can do. Um, it's true. So, all right, Kate, everything sucks. We've established that pretty thoroughly, I think. So what do you think, just, just thinking quickly, step by step, how do you think we could improve this? Like well, in our communities, if I'm elected, in our state, <laughs> oh. uh, nationally, Universally, when the aliens invade us, what can we do better? <laughs> Specifically relative to childcare? Sure. Okay, aliens. Let's start there. We're <laughs> <laughs> I think honestly, um, I think a first step here, and maybe this is obvious and doesn't bear mentioning, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Maybe a first step is for everyone. And I'm not only talking to people on the right, but also people on the left to recognize um how important childcare is. Mm-hmm. Um, also people who don't have kids, this becomes like a niche thing, right? It really does. Oh, I don't have kids. So this isn't relevant to me. And it's like, this is, this absolutely is. Mm -hmm. And so I think the idea of childcare needs to be that the, the tenor of that discussion, the importance of it needs to be on par with talking about anything like access to, uh, you know, food stamps, supplemental Mm -hmm. nutritional assistance, uh, education just generally right if we're talking about schools we're talking mm-hmm. about childcare healthcare these are all the same thing 
So I think the the sort of first step in sort of having a meaningful, just a meaningful conversation about this to even get to a point where we can talk about solutions is for everyone to recognize that this isn't an issue for parents. Right. Yeah, it's, we, I absolutely agree. We need to have conversations, not just about childcare, but, but specific to this, that are, what does my community need? What do my neighbors need? Yeah. Uh, I don't just sit at home and pet my dog all day long. Although that would be a really great situation for me. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, I think that starting that conversation of this is a problem that affects everyone. A, to be selfish for, for employers, this is something that would affect your employees, every single one of them's ability to function. Ultimately, I don't care about the employers, but, you know, we'll start there. Um, okay, so so start that conversation. I think the next thing in that conversation is to perhaps introduce the idea that it's not strictly women's work. Right. Because that's, that's the trap we find ourselves in, which we described at length, uh, is that women are stuck holding the bag. For childcare, not just parents, but just you know, um, nannies, mostly women. Uh, you, hey, there are maybe a few men doing childcare work to a hundred women, if I had to guess off the top of my head. And recognizing that would probably not fix that gendered problem, but it would at least put a spotlight on it. Yeah, and, and you know the impact of of that recognition and sort of moving away from having such a strictly gendered you know approach to it, um, the impact of that would be outsized because it's mm-hmm. we see this reflected this sort of you know division of labor right we see this reflected in all of our spaces, mm-hmm. even in our organizing spaces. Yeah, you come know? on, guys, get it together. Uh, yeah, so doing that and and uh, once again highlighting gendered work and how it doesn't need to be gendered and gender roles are kind of dumb and antiquated. We can do better. Uh, That's a good step. Okay, so next step. What could we do next? I really believe in the idea of universal child care Mm -hmm. in in terms of, you know, federally funded child care centers that are accessible for everyone regardless of you know, income. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I just, what makes sense to me on every level is that the, the, the concept we have of school mm-hmm. just starts earlier, earlier. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Like have crushes for everybody. Uh, cause that's important. So ultimately uh, most of the time on punching out, our ultimate solution is just eliminate work. Just everybody, we don't have to work anymore. No more wage work. We just, we're a happy community in utopia. Mm-hmm. Um, eliminate work. Even if we could eliminate work as we know it now and that you're making a wage for your labor and somebody is making money off your labor, we will still need childcare. Yeah. There will still be a need for somebody to watch the kids since they're not, I lied earlier. They don't stand in corners very still. Sorry. If someone, if someone relied on that, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm glad we're correcting the record now. Yeah, I, I, I will Hopefully set the record no straight. made any bad choices um, because of that. Children are not so bright. Their brains aren't done baking. Uh, They can get into trouble very easily and need monitoring. Yes. 
a child watch for all. Uh, the we this is something that would still have to be done, yeah. and it doesn't have to be something that people earn money off of. No, but it is something that needs to be done. And honestly, universal health or healthcare, haha, universal childcare would go a long way to helping everybody else not be so dependent on wages. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If if I don't have to pay the babysitter, I don't have to work for a living, which is ultimately the goal, mm-hmm. frankly. And if you're just now tuning in, surprise, <laughs> something like that. And universal child care is something that has been proposed in the past. Yeah. It is something that is absolutely achievable. We have public schooling for all for the downsides it has, and I, which were again policy decisions, I believe, um, to make public schooling not as effective, beneficial for for the wealthy mostly. These are all policy decisions that were made that didn't need to be made. Uh, we could do this; like it could be done. Absolutely, like there's no reason it couldn't be done. That's true of everything. Right. But but given that we have public schooling already, yeah. and it can be done. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, and even there, there are, like, Head Start is a good mm-hmm. example of that. Mm-hmm. That should just be what we do. Right. Yeah, universal pre-K, um, early intervention programs, these mm-hmm. are all things that have so much benefit to the children and the families of those children. It, it it's just such an obvious decision to me. Like I, it is. We gotta we gotta get in office. <laughs> Caitlin Lou, run for office. I I don't I don't know that I'm electable, but we'll uh, try. Well, given what I've said on this show, I'm. It'll be a stretch for me. <laughs> There's too much evidence as far as I know. Uh, but you know, we always do like to end on a happy note and. And it is good to know that this is honestly kind of an easy thing to do. And like, I actually feel, I don't want to say optimistic because it feels strange in these days and times to use that word. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say, I do feel sort of optimistic about the fact that there is a conversation happening about Mm -hmm. um, childcare. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's certainly happening um, in sort of different organizing spaces. And I think it's happening, um, you know, in the political arena right now in our never-ending election season, which doesn't necessarily mean anything, but right. um, to, I feel that it is becoming an issue that uh, is being paid more attention to. And that's where things have to start. Right. And so I feel, look, I don't know, we're, right? We're, re- we're reframing victory for ourselves. That's what <laughs> we're doing. So I, choo- I am choosing to feel optimistic about that. At least it's being talked about in a serious way, mm-hmm. um, which so often issues that disproportionately impact women aren't. So hur- yeah. hooray for that. It's something. It, it's I'm so glad the wealthy women are finally suffering enough to get something done. Right? Frankly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Kate, about this. Thanks. Uh, have fun with your kids at school. Yeah. Or, yeah, while they're or, in school doing other things. That's what I'll Go hog wild. Do whatever you need to do. I'll just be at work. <laughs> I guess that's true of all of us. <laughs> all right. Well, you've been listening to Punching Out. I'm Lou. I'm Kate. We'll see you next time. Bye. You've been listening to Punching Out. 
you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Email us your work stories, complaints, and struggles to punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.